this teaching um, is going to be a teaching. It's going to be, I've, it, I've told Kent driving over here, I've taught on the Holy Spirit several times, but each time I teach, it's usually one or two s- sessions. But I just felt a need to go deeper. So we're just going to take a little bit at a time and we're going to go deeper, probably five, six weeks. The reason for that is because there is a big misconception, big lies, big big deception in the world regarding the Holy Spirit, regarding his uh, immense worth today for us. And this applies 100% to living an abundant life. And healing is part of an abundant life. When I seek God for me, I believe not only for divine healing when I need it, but I also believe God for divine health. And I believe God for a divine life, not just in the area of physical health, but in every area, because that's what Jesus came to give us. And the Holy Spirit is an integral part of that. So the first thing that I'm going to share with you, and I always forget to pass this out. Sorry about that. Thank you, Barb. The first thing that I'm going to share is a teaching about the three different dispensations of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a word that I wasn't familiar with, so I wanted to say, what is, what is dispensation? That word means three states or three orders of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit had a different um, um, state or order in the Old Testament than he did in the Gospel dispensation and the New Testament dispensation. So we're going to look at those three time eras. The Old Testament, the Gospel dispensation, and the New Testament dispensation as you're getting your papers. I want to make sure you all have that in your hand. We're going to be looking at a lot of scripture today, but we're not going to be spending a lot of time. We're just going to be quickly going through a lot of scriptures to give evidence to what I'm saying. So first of all, the Old Testament dispensation. It takes place in the Bible from Genesis all the way through Malachi, the whole Old Testament. And the dispensation of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is that the Holy Spirit was there. But he came upon certain people at a certain time for a certain purpose, and then he departed. The reason the Holy Spirit didn't dwell within the people is because there was a barrier. Sin was the barrier. Sin separated God and man because of the fall of man, our sin nature separated us from having the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy God couldn't dwell in an unholy person. So he didn't dwell in people, but the Holy Spirit did come upon certain people for a certain purpose at certain times, all over the place. If you read the Old Testament, you see many, 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 many instances where the Holy Spirit either came upon a person or a group of people for a very specific person. We see miracle after miracle after miracle. That was the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to give you a couple of examples. The first example is Moses. So in the num, um, I don't even have these scriptures listed because, again, you just read the Old Testament and you see this all over. But I just want to give you some examples. So in this book of Numbers, Moses had 
um, asked God specifically. He said to God, he said, I'm not able to bear all these people because the burden is too heavy for me. So here was Moses, and he was the intercessor for how many hundreds of thousands of people that were in the wilderness? He was the intercessor for all of them. He got overwhelmed. He said, God, I can't do it. So this is what God did. So the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand here with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you and I will put the same upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you don't need to bear it by yourself. So the Holy Spirit was, was not just upon Moses, but the Holy Spirit was then placed upon all of these elders so that they could also have a part in, in ministering to the people. That's why we have the body of Christ today. I love our ministry team. You saw Kathy just flowing in the power of the Spirit a few minutes ago. Our ministry team, and, and you too, guys, I know that we all have the same spirit, and we're going to talk about that. But the ministry team has been um, well-taught and well-trained um, with the word to, to stand in faith for you and to pray effective prayers. That's what Moses needed. He was one man. He was one man. He needed the Holy Spirit upon others to help him. And then if we look at the next verse we see where this actually happened. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered those 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took the spirit that was upon him, upon Moses, and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, though it says they never did so again. So that's one of the gifts of the Spirit. They prophesied these people. The Spirit came upon them, and they spoke into the people. They gave them words of comfort or exhortation, or, and, and they spoke prophetically into their lives. So that's one example. The next example I want to share with you is about Samson. So this Samson was born to a mother and father who were barren, and when he was born, the, the angel of the Lord told his mother, that she was to keep him separated for a purpose. The purpose was that he was the one that was going to begin to deliver his people from the Philistines. And there were three things that, that they were told. They, they were never to cut his hair. They were never to touch a razor to his hair. He was never to drink any wine. And he was never to eat unclean meats. So the mother did that. She kept him separated, and he grew up. Now, this is where it says that the Holy Spirit came upon him. Um, in chapter 13 of Judges, So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahanadan between Zara and Eshtol. So the Holy Spirit settled upon Samson. In the next chapter, chapter 14, we see where the power, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit that was upon him. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him, and the Spirit of the Lord 
came mightily upon him, he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he didn't tell his mother or father what he had done. So there's an example of the power of the Holy Spirit empowering him. This man had a calling on his life. The enemy was probably trying to steal, kill, or destroy. But God says, oh no, I have a purpose for him. So that power came upon him to take care of the, the problem. The next chapter, Judges 15. Now at this point, he's turned over to the Philistines. And they said to him, we've come down to arrest you that we may deliver you into the hands of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, swear to me that you will not kill me yourselves. So they spoke to him saying, no, but we will tie you securely and deliver you into their hand, but we will surely not kill you. And they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire and the bonds broke loose from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand men with it. Remember, his, his um, um, purpose was to deliver from the Philistines and here the Philistines had him imprisoned. And that power of the Holy Spirit came upon him to break free and to take a donkey's jawbone and kill a thousand people. And um, the next example, this is where we see the, the power of the Holy Spirit departing from Samson. And I'm just going to paraphrase part of this. You can go ahead and put the scripture up, but I'm going to paraphrase so I don't need to read it all. Um, this is when his wife, Delilah, was going to sell him out. And she was trying to get him to tell her what gave him that supernatural power. Finally, because she wouldn't leave him alone, he finally, after many times, gave in and told her that he had never had a razor touch his hair. Um, And so then the Philistines came. He awoke from his sleep and said, I'll go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Go ahead to the next slide. So the, the Holy Spirit had departed. Then the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. So the Spirit of the Lord was lifted from him, and his, his, um, the, he wasn't empowered. And you can see what happened. It was really, really bad. The Philistines captured him. He was in prison. His eyes were gouged out. Then the last example, the same chapter. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to their god, Dagon, and to rejoice. And they said, our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. And then when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land and the one who multiplied our dead. And so it happened when their hearts were merry that they called Samson out. I'm going to paraphrase again. They called Samson out and they were ridiculing him. They wanted him to perform. So they took him out of prison. They put him on, in this area, uh, probably um, the, 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 the um, front area of the castle or the, the, the place where the, the, the kings and, and um, leaders of the nation were. And there were pillars 
and they were ridiculing him in this place. Now go to the last slide. Then Samson called to the Lord, and he said, Oh, Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may take one, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. And then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. He fulfilled his purpose. His purpose was to defeat the Philistines, to, to push them back, to begin that defeat. And he did that with the Holy Spirit. Every time he had those special feats, it was because the power of the Holy Spirit was upon him. So once again, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit couldn't dwell in men because we weren't holy. People weren't holy because of the sin barrier. But the Holy Spirit could only come upon people. The next dispensation I want to share with you is the gospel dispensation. This is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is all about Jesus. Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Last week I shared the two distinctions of Jesus, the two things that distinguished him from every other human. The first one is that he had no sin. There was no sin barrier in him. Nothing kept him from his father. And because there was no sin barrier, the Holy Spirit could reside in him. And the Holy Spirit did reside in him. But this didn't happen until he was about 30 years old. He lived his first 29 years, approximately, growing and learning and growing and learning but he didn't have the holy spirit until in luke 3 it tells what happened when all the people were baptized it came to pass that jesus also was baptized and while he prayed the heaven was opened and the holy spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him and a voice came from heaven which said you are my beloved son in you, I'm well pleased. The next chapter, chapter 4. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He went into the wilderness and he spent 40 days in fasting and prayer and was tempted by the devil. And after that 40 days, verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and news of him went out through all the surrounding region and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all so the Holy Spirit came upon him and then he was led by the Holy Spirit he was filled with the Holy Spirit led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he fasted and prayed for 40 days and then he came out empowered by this Holy Spirit that I'm talking about today the same Holy Spirit that dwells in us as believers. Yes. So then, two verses later, verse 16. Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. 
And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That phrase, the acceptable year of the Lord, means the fullness of salvation abounding in great measure. Everything that Jesus came to fulfill was just abounding. Remember, he pointed us to the Father. He pointed us to the will of God. He pointed us to the heart of God. He came to fulfill the messianic vision the purpose that people had been waiting for, that had been prophesied about the whole Old Testament. Jesus came to fulfill it, and he did it with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Then he closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That was when Jesus' ministry began. From that point on, we read him about him preaching and teaching. It says in the, in, the, in the Gospels, it says that the people were astonished because of the authority with which he taught. That authority was the Holy Spirit anointing in him and moving through him. The scribes and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they didn't have that. Jesus had something different. I just have to stop right now and say, when I teach, it is so Holy Spirit. It is so Holy Spirit. And I expect it. I know that the Holy Spirit speaks when I teach. It's, it's all Holy Spirit. Because we have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had. Not a, not a littler Holy Spirit, not a lesser degree. We have the same Holy Spirit. Getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Acts 10, 38. This was written when the church was being born. The book of Acts talks about the church. The people going out after they'd received the Holy Spirit, going out and taking the message to the nation, to the world. And this is one of the things that they always shared. They said, you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then, look at the word then. I just saw that today. After he was anointed, when he had the Holy Spirit, then Jesus went around doing good and healing. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Sickness is from the devil. Cancer doesn't come from God. Bad joints, pain, chronic pain, chronic disease isn't from God. 
If it's bad, it's the devil. If it's good, it's God. Jesus went about healing all those who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. Jesus was anointed. I gave you that definition last week. It means he was consecrated, set apart for a purpose. He was set apart and he was furnished with the necessary powers. He was endued with the power of the Holy Spirit that was needed for the administration of the messianic office. Jesus was the Christ, the anointed one. Jesus was the Messiah, the anointed one. That was the gospel dispensation. But then, Jesus made the way to move from the old covenant to the new. In 1 John 4.10, this is what happened. In this is love. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. That is the atoning sacrifice and the satisfying offering for our sins, fulfilling God's requirement for justice against sin and placating his wrath. Jesus took our judgment. He took all of the wrath of God All of the judgment was placed on him for you and me and everybody else. So that the sin barrier could be removed because God wanted his kids. He wanted his kids close to his heart, just like you want your children close to your heart. Except magnify that by a zillion times. So he paid the price. And when Jesus did this, there's just this one scripture. Oh my gosh, there's so many I could have chosen. But when Jesus paid the price, once and for all, the sin barrier was removed. And then we moved into the New Testament dispensation, which started at Pentecost, and it continues till right now and beyond. Hebrews 8.13 says, When God speaks of a new covenant or agreement, he makes the first one obsolete, out of use. And what is obsolete, out of use and annulled because of age, is ripe for disappearance and to be dispensed with altogether. So that Old Testament dispensation is gone. The the Holy Spirit that couldn't dwell in man because we were unholy is gone. Because if, if we say yes to Jesus, if we believe, that's the only thing we have to do, believe and confess our belief, if we receive Jesus as our Savior and as our Lord, then we can tabernacle his presence. We can host the presence of the Holy Spirit. Is that awesome or what? Over the next several weeks, I'm going to be teaching a lot about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. 
I'm going to save that, though, for the next couple of weeks because I'm going to be talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be talking about the benefits of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about tongues, praying in tongues. And all of that stuff can be kind of confrontational or, or um, uh, uh, concerning to a lot of people in the world. And that's what I want to teach from the Bible. Why? Why, God says, this is my promise for you. This is my gift for you. So what I want to share with you today is um, from the book. This is from the book of Acts, but this is after the Holy Spirit was poured out. Peter got up after he had just received the Holy Spirit. And he spoke a, a sermon that was amazing. And these are some of the words that he spoke. Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and he said to the people, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these people are not drunk. They were, they were, they were, uh, everybody said, what's going on? What's this chaos? What's going on? It looks like they're all drunk. Peter said, no, oh no, they're not drunk, as you suppose, because it's only the third hour of the day, which was 9 a.m. But this is what was spoken. What you see here, Peter said, what you see here is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. What they were witnessing was the fulfillment of a prophetic word. And this was the word. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Does that include you? Oh, yes. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my manservants and my maidservants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. So the prophetic word said that the spirit would be poured out on all flesh, no distinction, no time frame that was set that it would only be a certain time frame. None of that is, doesn't say that in the Bible. Romans 8.11, this is the scripture that was just we sang about when we sang the song Resurrecting. Romans 8.11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now the only qualification is being saved. If you are saved, the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you permanently. He stays forever. He's in us. He's not going to leave us. So when I show up, God shows up. I'm, and please don't, I don't want you to take this wrong, but this is truth. I'm always anointed. It doesn't matter whether I feel it. It doesn't matter whether you feel it. I carry the Holy Spirit, so I'm always anointed. I don't pray for an anointing before I come here. I expect the anointing to flow. And it always does. Jesus was the Christ, the anointed one. We're Christians. 
little anointed ones. We are also endued with power. And our mission is to carry on the mission of Christ. So, before I teach the next point, which is this promise that Jesus gave us, I want to just put something out there. Jesus made the way. He purchased our salvation through Jesus. Salvation was purchased through Jesus. But we have a part. Our part is to believe and receive salvation, correct? Forgiveness was purchased through Jesus, right? But we have a part, and that is to believe and receive forgiveness. Healing was purchased by Jesus on Calvary. We teach that in here all the, all the time. And if you're new today, I can go to Scripture to give you the evidence that healing is always the will of God. It's been purchased by Jesus. But our part is to believe his work. Our part is to believe that it was purchased. Our part is to believe and take it or receive it. The word receive is an active word. It means take the Holy Spirit was promised to us by Jesus. And I'm going to go to those scriptures next. The Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus. But we have a part to play. And that is to believe and receive. So let's look at what Jesus talked about, about this Holy Spirit. This is John 14, 12. Jesus said, oh, God. This one just completely just unravels me every time I read it. Jesus said, I assure you, and I most solemnly say to you. So before he even says anything, he's saying, listen, this is important. I solemnly say, I fervently say, this is important. This is important, people. Listen to this. And then he says, anyone, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do. And he will do even greater things than these in extent and outreach because I am going to the Father. So Jesus said, here Jesus is doing crazy miracles and signs and wonders. And he tells us, anyone who believes in me as Savior will do everything I'm doing and even greater. Now that word greater, I used to think that it meant because there were so many more of us, it would be greater. But that's not what the word greater means. That Hebrew word means greater in extent. That means bigger. And it means greater in um, outreach. It means wider. Bigger and wider. That's what that word means. I'm just saying it. I might not see it in my life, but that's what God says. That's what the word says. It says that we will do even greater things than these. So, Jesus promised us 
with great fervency. He promised us that anyone who believes in him would perform great miracles and experience answers to their prayers. These things would become possible when Jesus went to the Father. He says that there, because I'm going to the Father. Now here's the big why. Because when he went to the Father, he would send the Holy Spirit to empower our works. Regular people, you and me, regular people empowered by the Spirit will be doing those works. In the era of the Spirit, that's where we're at right now, the New Testament dispensation of the Spirit, God promised to bring his kingdom and power into the world in a way never seen before. John 14, 16, Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and he will send another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, to be with you forever. So I'm going to just break the scripture up a little because it is awesome. Jesus promised us another helper. The word another is the Greek word allos, and it means another of the same kind. It doesn't mean a different kind of helper. It means another like Jesus. The Holy Spirit represents Jesus. Everything that the Holy Spirit does for us is something that Jesus undertook during the gospel dispensation. Everything the Holy Spirit does for us is what Jesus did while he was in human form on this earth. The Holy Spirit will do everything for us that he did in Jesus when Jesus walked on this earth. Whoa. This is something to go home and just talk to God about. So Jesus promised us another helper. The word helper is the Greek word parakletos. And it means one who comes forward in behalf of and representative of another. I like this amplified translation because what it does is it takes this word, parakletos, and it breaks it up into many attributes. Now, as I just go through these attributes with you, I want you to think about where you're at right now and what your need is, whatever that might be. And think about how this is what you need for that need. You might need all of these attributes of the Holy Spirit right now for this season of your life. So first of all, you'll see that on your paper there's an acronym. This is something I learned way, way back when I was first saved. Maybe you guys have seen the same acronym. It's not even a real word, but it helps me to remember. The, the acronym is the, the word, the fake word. Catchus, C-A-T-C-H-I-S-S. So the C stands for counselor. I'm sorry, comforter. 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 The Holy Spirit is our comforter. When you're discouraged, when you're waiting, when something's going wrong and you need comforting, he's your comforter. He's your advocate. He's the one that stands in the courtroom of heaven 
as your lawyer saying, oh no, she's not guilty because of the blood. He's our advocate. He's our teacher. One of the things that I've been seeking God about in the last month is that I want to be in a place where I let God be my teacher, where I let Holy Spirit be my teacher, where I sit at his feet and let him disciple me. I'm really good at, at, at learning from good teachers. I'm careful which teachers I go to, but I love to do that. I love to go to resources and, and study and learn and grow and study the word. And, but God kind of corrected me. And he said, Cindy, just let me teach you. Just sit at my feet. Let me disciple you. That's one of the attributes of Holy Spirit. He's our teacher. He's also our counselor. Our counselor. Wow, counseling is a big business this day because we need it in this world. But Holy Spirit is our counselor. He's also our helper. Our intercessor. I was reading a book about intercessory prayer. I read a lot. And this is what it said. It said, the heart of the intercessor is joined with the heart of the one prayed for. Joined by the virtue of love. And I started to think about the Holy Spirit. How the heart of the Holy Spirit is, as he's interceding for me, his heart is joined with my heart because of his love for me. There's a connection. When I pray, when I intercede for my daughter... My heart is just pouring out. And she somehow has to know that love. And that's what happens with the Holy Spirit in us. He is our strengthener. That's a big one. There's many, many, many times when I need the strength of God. I can't do it on my own. But he's our strengthener. And he's our standby. That's good news. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always standing by. The problem is we don't always access him. But he's waiting on the standby for us to come and say, Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm here. I need you. So Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. To be with us. In another translation, it says he will abide with us continually. The word abide means dwell permanently. He will dwell permanently. He will live in us forever. Jesus, I believe, was making a contrast. Because Jesus' ministry on this earth was was pretty short-lived. He was only in ministry for about three years. He was 33 years approximately when he when he died for us. So his time on earth was coming to an end. It was a brief ministry. But he was showing us that the abiding presence of the spirit, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God, would dwell with us forever. So the question I have posed, does that mean Christ is absent? Well, his physical presence is absent. But he is present through the Holy Spirit. The triune God will always be with the believer. So this is the last scripture I want to share with you. John 14, verses 20 and 23. 
At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So the Holy Spirit has made his home in us. The triune God, the Spirit of God, dwells within us. There are no conditions. He doesn't leave us. It doesn't matter whether we feel him or not. The anointing of the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go. It abides with us forever. So I want to share with you this little piece of a teaching that, that I, I, I did here, and it really, it really helped me. When we are born again, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit is, seals our spirit. The spirit of Jesus. Jesus, I don't have the person of Jesus on the inside of me. But I do have the spirit of Jesus on the inside of me. So when we're saved, we do have the, the Holy Spirit in us. However, and here's the big thing. However, many Christians, many Christians, haven't yet acknowledged or received the Holy Spirit. When we acknowledge and receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we welcome him and we honor him. And then he has the liberty to work in us and through us. The reason why many Christians aren't living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit is because of ignorance. It's because of not understanding what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. And they're unaware of their need to acknowledge and receive the promise, the amazing promise of God. The Bible calls this receiving and acknowledging and honoring the Holy Spirit. They call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we already have the Spirit of God in us, but until we receive the fullness, until we acknowledge the Holy Spirit, until we take, the word receive means take, until we ask and then take the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we don't have the empowerment. So um, this Holy Spirit experience that I'm talking about is beyond the new birth. It's where we are empowered to live the abundant life. Healing is a part of the abundance of life. I was saved in 2002 February of 2002 when I was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer and I received this fullness of the Holy Spirit one month later and I would say this I would say that it impacted me more than anything else on my healing journey we're going to be talking about what that looks like and why over the next few weeks <laughs>